0: Hey there, mamas, you are listening to Magnolia Birth Stories, where we are passionate about helping mamas get their best possible birth. I am Emily Bettenker, I am a birth coach and doula, and so often I hear mamas talk about how they wish they had known X about labor, they wish they had been more prepared for Y, or they wish they had known how common Z was. The best way to help mamas from the start is by helping them get educated, helping them understand what real birth is like. So that's what we do here on Magnolia Birth Stories, and I'm so excited for our special guest today, Miss Serena. Hey, Serena.
1: Hi.
0: So you have a baby girl named Sloane. Can you tell me about her? Yes, she is two now, and she
1: is, of course, like any other two-year-old, she's full of energy, learning how to talk better every day. Um, we're still working on potty training, but just the love of my life, of course.
0: No, and she is the cutest thing. So um, Serena and I were actually pregnant around the same time, and our babies are like five weeks apart, and so they get to grow up together, and they're really cute together. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so do you remember the day you found out you were pregnant with Sloan? I do.
1: It's funny that we just celebrated or celebrated Halloween because it was the Halloween before I found out I was pregnant. And that um, week after Halloween, I was just feeling really sick. We went to go eat and I was so hungry and we sat down and our food came out and I immediately was, I'm not hungry anymore. And then at work that week, I was so sleepy. I'm like, what is going on? I cannot figure out why I'm so drained. And I went to the gym that morning. I worked out really hard and I thought there's a possibility that I can be pregnant. So I don't want to continue to work out really hard if I am. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to buy a test to be sure. And I took the little 99 cent test and it was positive positive. Went back and got a more expensive one and still
0: positive. So that was the night. (laughs) I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what were the first couple of steps? You got your positive pregnancy test and what did you do after that? After that, I
1: started researching doctors. I had a couple of recommendations. So I I followed up with one of them and uh, she had availability. So I got with her. But it was COVID, so they were not going to see me till I was 12 weeks at all. They wouldn't even look at me. So I don't know if that's normal or not because, like I said, I just have the one. Um, But I know that they kept saying, like, since it's COVID, 12 weeks, that's when we'll see you. So we went to 12 weeks, and then um, I went to the doctor and got our first, like, ultrasound and things like that. So.
0: That's perfect. Um, So just for listeners so that you know, sometimes it is common, especially in our area, um, because we are sort of short staff on OBs. Okay. Um, and so so sometimes they'll see you like nine weeks or so, depending on the doctor and their availability. Um, but a lot of doctors won't see you until 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks. Okay. Um, in that time frame too. So, so maybe it started with COVID, but it's definitely sticking around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So then how did your pregnancy go?
1: I had a really easy pregnancy. I guess I really don't know because I can't compare, but mm-hmm. um, I think I threw up twice my whole pregnancy. One night I threw up, I feel like it was just because I ate way too much salty popcorn and Sloan just did not like that. Um, but other than that, I was really nauseous the first trimester, but not really getting out anything. And then after that, it was easy. I mean, I had almost no complications, of course, towards the end, like the past two, I mean, the last two weeks, I was, re- I swelled up like the past two weeks and my back hurt. And, but other than that, I mean, it was pretty easy going the first couple of weeks. Um, I couldn't cook. I couldn't, look at food I couldn't look at raw meat I couldn't smell garlic and I love to cook so I'm like please don't let this stick throughout the whole pregnancy because I love to cook and it was just the first trimester and then by the second one I was cooking again so I mean mm.
0: it was it was easy I feel like that's great that's a good thing definitely a, a gift to have it <laughs> <an ATM. laughs> mm-hmm, that's what I've heard because I hear some other stories and I'm like I did not experience that at all Good. That's a good thing. So did you get any outside education or hire a doula during your pregnancy? No, I actually did no research. I didn't do that on my own.
1: And Mm -hmm. I didn't, um, the only things I knew is what my doctor was telling me and like the little paperwork they would give us. And that was it. I didn't know anything else. So, um, I don't think that I was informed at all. And I wish I was for many reasons because there was so many things that went on
0: that I was like, I wasn't comfortable with that looking back. So, yeah, that's good to know. The um, information that they were giving you, do you remember what that was about or it just wasn't super helpful? Well, like at the beginning appointments, they were like, this is usually how it goes. Um, And I remember specifically
1: my first, my very first appointment, she told me, my doctor, you're going to go to 40 weeks. A lot of new moms go over 40 weeks. Um, But if you're just done being pregnant at 39 weeks, I can induce you. And she told me that my first appointment. So I didn't really think too much about that until... I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I was at, is it 39? Am I, am I right? Mm -hmm. It's 40 weeks. Okay. Um, at the, when I was 39, I'm like, induce me. But I feel like that information just given to me right off the bat was just setting me up to do that. I kind of feel like, because of course you're pregnant, you're so pregnant and you kind of just want to be done towards the end. And I did not looking back, I would have not got induced at all because it made my birth a lot harder, I feel like.
0: Well, and from the very first appointment, you know, that sets your mindset, my pregnancy can end at this Mm -hmm. point, you know? So you're counting down to that point, going anything over that feels really extra hard. (laughs) It does. It feels like a lot longer. Yeah. And um,
1: I think that, yeah, it was just setting me up to use that option Mm -hmm. And um, not only are you feeling really pregnant at that point, but you're also just ready to meet your baby. Like I was looking forward at like the last um, Mm -hmm. few weeks. I was like, I hope my water breaks. I hope I go into labor today, had all the bags packed. I just wanted to have her already. And so then, of course, at 39 weeks, I'm super pregnant. I'm ready to meet her. I'm like, let's do it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, that's um, a really good point. Cause it's not just that the, you're miserable and giant pregnant. It's just that you're excited too. Yeah. So mm-hmm, that's really sweet. Okay. So then walk me through Sloan's birthday from the time you got up, you mentioned you were induced. So mm-hmm. what did that look like? So I went ahead and told the doctor, I want to go ahead and get induced at 39 weeks. She said, okay, we're okay. going to do it. Can you talk about how did that conversation go towards the end of pregnancy?
1: So I went to one of my last appointments, the appointments, you know, they start to see you at weekly. Mm-hmm. So when she checked me, she's like, you're nowhere close. She's, oh, what are the words? I Like I said, it's been a long time. Dilated maybe, or your mm-hmm. cervix is opened at this amount. I don't bright. know the right verbiage, but I was not close at all. She was like, nope, you're not close. So then I said, well, can we go ahead and then I'll do it? Because I think the next week I was going to be 39 weeks. I was like, can we go ahead and get induced then? And so we scheduled that all up. She told me come to the uh, hospital. I think it was either because Sloan was born on the 21st, so either the 19th or the 20th and at 5 a.m. And so that night we're getting excited. We're ready. We have our bags. Um, and then the, the hospital kept calling us like, don't come in yet. We've had more moms come that are actually in labor. So it was five, six, they're like, call us every hour and we'll tell you when to come. So it wasn't until about 8am that they actually had availability Mm -hmm. for us. So we went and, um, they started to give me the medicine to, I guess, start labor. Okay. And the first time they gave me the first dose after that kicked in, I was only dilated like a two or something. And then they said, okay, it's gonna take more than one most likely. So then they gave me the second dose. And then after that, I was only like at a four. And they're like, oh, you're moving really slow, really slow. And I think I'm not sure if I took a third dose or not, but I remember them saying, We cannot give you any more. Like now it's just you having to do it. Um so then they told me that I could not take any more medicine to help me move along faster. So they were just going to let me wait it out. And so I did and hours and hours and hours went by and I was dilating like only by one every, like every couple hours. And so after being in the hospital for 24 hours, they finally had told me that I would, um, they would need to break my water. Or I was at the, at the point where they could break my water. And so they went in and did that. And, um, I had felt relief, obviously like that is a feeling that people, I guess, I mean, I guess if your water breaks at home or something, like you immediately know, it's like you're draining everything. Like it felt so good. Um, or you're just like losing some of that weight. Um, (laughs) and so then I did that. And then I was still, wasn't moving along. And then, um, they had asked me if I wanted an epidural and I had went into labor thinking I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so, um, as I, as labor was going on and I was in labor for so long, I felt like if this is the worst that it's going to be, then I can handle it. Cause they, they kept telling me, everybody kept telling me like my sister, my mom, like, um the contractions are the worst part. The actual birth is not. So if you can handle the tra- contractions, then you should be good. And so I was getting contractions and, and I was like, I don't need it. Well, then the doctor comes in and she's like, are you going to do the epidural? And I was like, I don't think so. I was like, I don't think I need it. And then she just looked at me and she said, well, you're going to have a long road ahead of you. So make sure that's the correct choice. And immediately, once again, I felt pressured, almost like it scared me. I'm a first time mom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to be able to handle this. Maybe I do need it. And so I did, I got it. And then of course it was smooth sailing after that. Didn't feel anything. I even took a nap. And then, um, I remember a nurse coming into, I was asleep and a nurse was just rushing into the room and, uh, Messing with me, mess, like moving the things around my belly, putting something in my IV. And, um, I woke up and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And she wouldn't tell me what was going on. And then, um, after she calmed down and everything, um, and I started panicking, I like, I was panicking and she, after everything calmed down she stopped messing with me, I was like, what just happened? And she was saying that what, my my heart rate was going down. The baby was Mm -hmm. fine, but that she needed to shoot something in my IV to make me pick up, I guess, because I was going like dangerous level low, I'm sure. And so um I remember thinking like I did not like that either. Like I understand she was, you know, doing her job, doing what was best for me in the moment. But um I felt like she could have been talking so I was aware and i was knowing that she was flipping me and and messing with everything and i just feel like talk to me as Mm -hmm. you're doing it tell me everything's okay because i'm freaking out right now and then it would have been helpful for her to tell me i'm giving you medicine that's probably going to make you freak out a little bit because it's meant to do that Mm -hmm. um so then after that that's when i felt like my labor really turned for me because i was like that was scary i hated that and um and I still went on for hours and hours. I was in labor for a total of 36 hours. And then um, finally, it's the next day. And then they, um, the doctor finally said, okay, I think uh, she came in the room to check on me. She looked at me and she said, okay, I'm going to come back at three. It's like 2.30. She's like, I'm going to go finish up in the other room. And I'm going to come back at three and we're going to start pushing. So I was like, perfect. She came back at three. I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And you can't have any water. You can't have anything. And she just was not coming out, would not. The doctor tried everything where she like, we were doing tug of war and where she would hold uh she got a hospital gown, she would hold it and then she would pull and I would put, I guess it would make me push harder. We did that forever. I think I pushed for two hours. And then finally she told me, okay, we're going to have to rush you to C-section because it's getting, uh, it's getting dangerous at this point. And I said, okay, she's like, or I can use a suction device and try to go Mm -hmm. in and latch it to the baby's head and you can try pushing a little bit more. She's like, but you still need to have that push in you. If you're so exhausted right now that you're not going to be able to push, then we need to rush you to C-section. So I was like, no, I'll try one more time. I've been here for 36 hours. Mm -hmm. I want, I think I have a little bit of fight in me to push a little bit. So she did that. And she attached, I guess, the suction cup to Sloan. I pushed. And mm-hmm. we were so close to getting her out. And then she just goes in and just gets, she's like, I'm going to have to cut you. And I just remember, like, hearing it, like, snip. And then she pulled the baby out. And so, um, and then they take the baby from me. Like, let me, they put her right here for just a second. Then mm-hmm. they take it baby from me and they're over there messing with her and she has a fever. And apparently I have a fever. So they took her away from me right away. They rushed her to the NICU and they said, we have to run tests because it might be infection, things like that. And so then we were in the hospital for an additional three to four days. Sloan was perfectly fine, but they just had to wait for tests to come back and make sure it wasn't an infection on her end, or I guess my end. And, um, And that was really it. But there was uh, several things during that process that I just didn't feel taken care of at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially like when I was building up to before they um, broke my water, they had like the peanut and they were like, put this Mm -hmm. in between your leg and turn on your side. And I did that and I was in pain doing that. And I was like, I don't want to do this. This hurts. Like it doesn't feel right for me to be in this position. And They were like, you need to do it to get, I don't even know the purpose, but they were like, this is what's going to help you get her out. And I remember at one point I screamed at the nurse. I was like, can someone get the doctor? Something does not feel right. I'm like, please go get somebody. And, um, they came back. That's when, I guess maybe that's when, um, well, I'm trying to remember all I, that's I had her short shortly after that. After I screamed at her, like, I need to be adjusted or something. Somebody needs to look. And
0: then I feel like that's when the doctor came in and said, we'll start pushing in a bit. So, Okay. And you had the epidural at that point. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you could still still feel it. Yes. And I couldn't
1: feel anything like hips below. But when I was in that position, I felt like in my top area like where the baby was I felt like she was like I felt like I was crushing her I was getting like these stomach pains that I was like this does not feel safe for me or the baby like it feels like something's not right in the stomach area not so much like down there but Mm -hmm. um that was scary for me too because I'm like they're telling me I need to do this and I'm like but it doesn't feel right
0: and I don't want anything
1: to go wrong but nobody was listening to me
0: right which, and I, I feel like that sets you up in a difficult place even like starting your journey as a mom, because you were trusting your instincts and saying, hey, something is not right. And Mm -hmm. so your hormones during pregnancy and labor and birth and postpartum are set up where you and your baby and your body all talk to each other. And your instincts are more accurate at that stage of your life than any other stage of your life. And so if you're shutting that down and they're saying, no, you're fine, then that is extra hard on a mama because you knew that something was not fine, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So all of that makes re- a lot of sense. And I'm so sorry about that. That is not how your first birth or any birth really is supposed to go. That's not how it was designed for us. You know, that's not what it's supposed to look right. like. And so I'm really sorry. About that. Yeah. Um, so. My first question or my next question on here is what would you say was your favorite part of the day? I think my favorite part was getting to the hospital,
1: getting them to put everything on me and beginning the birth process because you're so excited. And I just imagined that I would go get induced and maybe it would take maybe five to six, eight hours even. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was so eager and I had put on makeup and was preparing to have a pretty picture at the end with me and the baby. And after the road we had, by the time, by the end of it, I had no makeup on because I had already wiped it off with a makeup wipe because I was stressed the whole time And, um, so I think that was my favorite part was thinking it was going to go smoother
0: and just excited to give birth. And then it did not. Okay. Um, so then looking back, how do you feel about the whole experience today? Well,
1: um, I would have definitely not got induced. Like I said, I would have loved to see been better informed on you know, like the epidural, I think so I, I do feel like I was kind of convinced to do that. I wasn't like against it or anything. I just thought like, if I can handle it, then might as well. Like, that's okay with me. Um, But um, I feel like looking back, the I guess the induction was something I would never do again because I very well could have carried probably 41, 42. Like I probably would have gone, I know I would have gone over. And I wish I would have let that happen naturally. I would have, um, my water would have broke on its own and all of those things. I wish that would have happened. But like I said, I know, I knew from my first appointment that that was an
0: option. Um, so as a first time mom, you're going to your OB, what would have changed your mind or is there anything, you know, that would have, said, okay, I should get some more education or, you know, something that would have said, okay, I want to prepare for this and help it go in a good way. Or like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. How would you have known not to have induction as a first-time mom? Mm -hmm.
1: I really don't know that I would have unless I would have done some research. But I was never... A research type of person when it came to my pregnancy at all. I did the app that showed me how big the baby was getting, but I didn't even, I didn't read any books. I didn't, um, like George and I would talk and we would say like, I'm, it was a win-win, not a win. It was the bittersweet that Sloan ended up having to stay in the hospital an extra five days because they taught us a lot while we were there. We didn't really, we didn't even know how to feed a baby. Like we knew she would probably breastfeed or that she would take a bottle, but we didn't know how often we didn't know. Like if she, mm. like they taught us how to touch her neck and we know she's getting some or all the little things that they taught us. So the only way I would have known is if I would have done my research, but I was just the type of person that I was like, I had just heard motherhood kicks in as soon as you get the baby. So don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Don't overthink. it. You're okay. going to know what to do. And so I went off of that and then I went off of just like, my doctor is going to take care of me. My doctor is going to know what to do. My doctor is going to be the knowledgeable one. She's going to know everything I need to know. She's going to let me know. And, um, those are the two things I went off of. So because of that, I didn't do any research. I would have never known not to get induced. I just thought it was a, a way that some things people did it sometimes. So.
0: Okay. Um, I think that is so, so common, you know, and our we most, most women, a lot of first time moms just go to their OB, you know, and our OBs are wonderful at keeping us alive. When we're in a dangerous situation, they know how to, you know, perform measures and surgeries and things that not many other people know, but Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it. Um, that it, they aren't sharing for normal right. moms, uh, for healthy moms, and that's not really their job. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people think that that is their job to educate right. um, mamas, and it's it's not so much. They have lots of patience to juggle, and that education piece and that support piece can really come from outside in other locations and be, join on your OB's team, um, which is one of the favorite parts of my job, you know, is that I get to do that. And then your doula and your OB and your family and your partner get to work together to support you and get you the birth right. that you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. So definitely you said you wouldn't want to be induced. Was there anything else that you would want to do differently? Well, now, so I'm um, kind
1: of going back to the previous question is I wouldn't have known to do anything. Now, if I ever get pregnant again, I would definitely do research. I would definitely have you there, you know, like helping me through everything because, um, I don't want a repeat. So I think those are the two ways that people are going to use all their resources and find out the best ways to have a good birth is either experience or they are just the type to do research beforehand. So, um, I don't think that there was really anything else, but I do think like my experience now will, but I, I wish, and that's why I feel like sharing your things all over Facebook and just sharing it any moment I can, because I I wish somebody almost pushed that in my face a little bit. Like, hold on, don't, even though you're first time mom, like there, take some time and just listen to this real quick. Um, because it's at first time moms just really, you exactly, you think your doctor, but you're right. It's not their job, you know, like they're there to make sure you are safe and your baby comes out and all those things, but they're just seeing you and a billion other people too. So it's up to us, I guess, to do the research and things like that.
0: That was, um, really well said, you know, cause I feel the same way and that's how I ended up here is because my first two births didn't go great. And my second was really dramatic. And so, um, it wasn't until my third, you know, once I had the experience and I, you know, would just love to help some mamas avoid that when possible, mm-hmm. you know, so you sharing your story is really, really great for today. Well, and it's
1: helping funny that way. you said that your second birth was really a turning point for you. And I remember since that was, that was Austin, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. And I remember since we were so close, you know, Justin texted me and he's like, she's in birth. I'll keep you updated. And then it was a little bit, little bit. And then, um, he sent me a picture of you and the baby when everything was done. And I remember looking at that picture and I showed George and George was like, she looks exhausted. Oh, and you were smiling, holding the baby, but you looked exhausted. And I remember your eyes were like a little bit dark and I'm like she looks like she just went through something and then later after we talked about it you did but I mean things like that like if you could just help the birthing process go a little bit smoother because I know yours was really crazy with Austin and scary Mm -hmm. and I don't think that that should be your first experience uh, after you know having your baby right
0: exactly um and, you know, even Anna was able to stay with me and wasn't in the NICU for several days. And so, you know, I'm sure I I can't imagine how much harder or, you know, just extra hard that would have been on top of everything, you know. So we're um, right. definitely mm-hmm. hoping to help some other mamas here. Um, and that's crazy because my birth with Austin, you know, right before yours was four hours. Um, and so mine was quick and then yours ended up being a lot longer, so very different experiences. Um, Okay, so then what did your postpartum period look like? So Sloan was in the NICU for five days, and then you got to go home, and then what did that look like?
1: So after I had Sloan and she was in the NICU, we were in another room, so Of course, you're sore and you're, for me, yeah, I had to have, like, stitches and things like that, so I was just really beat up after 36 hours of labor, and then we would have to, you know, go feed her. We were going up and down, like, the elevator, just doing a lot of walking, and it was just so, so painful to the point where I felt like I need to go see my baby, but can I have a wheelchair or something? I can't even walk, and... um. I, so either way, it got a little bit better each day, but then we went to, um, we were discharged and we went home and I just remember anything sitting down, um, standing up, but mainly sitting down because I was breastfeeding. So when I was pumping or feeding, I didn't even want want to sit because I was in so much pain and, um, I couldn't sit for long moments at a time because it was just so painful um and I thought this is never gonna get better like I don't feel like my body is gonna come back together and not be in pain anymore because everything was sore everything hurt of course you're bleeding and leaking from everywhere and you know you have a brand new baby. And, um, I remember one specific moment I got out of the shower and I was trying to get myself together as fast as I could dry myself off and I'm bleeding and I, I'm leaking breast milk everywhere. I'm like, why am I leaking from everywhere? I can't even move. And it was, that was probably, um, one of the postpartum experiences that I felt was, was one of the worst is just thinking like my body is never going to get better. Like I am in so much pain and it's just not going to. Um, so physically that's what I experienced postpartum. Um, mentally, I feel like I had a good experience. I didn't, you know, thank goodness didn't experience any really depression. I went through, I had a couple crying moments, but those were, I felt like just adjusting to being a new mom. um, I will say that breastfeeding for me was, I really, really, really wanted to breastfeed and I was not producing as much milk as the baby needed. I was doing all of the tricks and that was something that I ended up researching. But again, it wasn't that I researched it beforehand. It was in the moments when I was not creating enough milk. I was like, how can I, that's when I was researching how to increase your breast milk supply, all of those things. And I was eating everything I tried. Had I had no appetite, but I kept reading, you need to eat to make milk. So I was forcing myself to eat food and um, I was not making enough milk and I would pump for her. She would eat. And the next thing on my mind was, when can I pump again? Because I'm going to have to feed her again soon. And um, I would start to pump and nothing. And then it finally came down to one day where um, it was time for her to eat and I had nothing. So that's when we made the decision that I would just, you know, start formula. And mm-hmm. then we went and got formula that night. She ate, it sat well with her. She didn't have any like stomach problems adjusting. And um, I feel like that relieved a lot of stress off of me. And mm-hmm. I felt like I could start to enjoy her more as in just having my brand new baby versus me just thinking I need a pump. I need to make milk. I need to Mm. get bottles warmed up. I needed, you know, all of those things. So um, Mm. I feel like that's when I really started enjoying um, having Sloan is when I stopped breastfeeding. And um, that's kind of what my postpartum experience was. I, I thankfully again, I hear so many stories and I think I'm just thankful that mine wasn't as, you know, trying
0: as some others that I've heard of were. Yeah. Um, do you remember how long that was in, when you gave that first formula bottle? In the NICU, when she was in the NICU, she did
1: a little bit of formula and a little bit of um, my breast milk. So we were using both. But when, as soon as we left the hospital... Um, we were doing only breast milk. So now that I think about it, I'm not sure if that's something that they kind of chose to do while she was in the NICU, mm-hmm. give her formula when, formula when they felt like she needed it because I was pumping in the hospital and I was giving them my milk, but they were also giving her a formula too. Um, and I'm wondering if, is that something that you uh, also help out throughout the birthing process. I wish, again, I wish somebody was there to tell me, um, what it might look like for breastfeeding. Like it might look like you don't make milk or it might take you, you know, a couple days for your milk or, you know, just things like that.
0: Yes, I do breastfeeding education during our prenatal visits while you're still pregnant, and then I'm fully able to support hands-on when baby is born.
1: That's exactly what I could have used in that moment because that was the one really – moment where I felt kind of, um, it made me feel really bad. It made me feel like, man, I can't feed my baby. Like what it, and I know formula is a thing and I know everybody uses it and it's great. And it, there's nothing wrong with it, but in, in my mind during that time, I thought, what if formula didn't exist? What would I do? Like if my baby, if I didn't have any, so, um, I'm sure you have all the great things to say when a mom's going through that, like to help comfort and support those thoughts that come in.
0: Yes, definitely. My job is to support your goals, no matter what those goals are. So if you want to breastfeed, then I will completely support you in making that happen.
1: Yes. I'm. That's good to know. Exactly. Supporting your goal of what um, I want as a mom. And that would have been helpful. I kind of feel like if I would have had support during that time, because I did make milk and I kind of feel like maybe if I just would have had a little bit more support to kind of um, help me push along a little longer, then maybe it would have come in and maybe we could have done both. A little bit of formula, a little bit of breast milk, until my milk really came in or to see if it did because that was it doesn't sit with me as much now two years later but at the beginning i i regretted like after my milk dried out i kept thinking what if i wouldn't have stopped what if i would have continued to try and try and try Uh, maybe i could have been successful at breastfeeding
0: Yeah, and there's just no way to know if having the support would have changed things completely, but at least you wouldn't have the what if. It definitely sounds like you made the right choice for you and Sloan at the time because you're an amazing mama. And now we know that you have other options and support for next time. Do you have any advice for moms who are currently pregnant? Um... I think if you're a new pregnant
1: woman, I think that I would do my research and just know that there's so many options outside of just a hospital birth. And even just hearing people's stories, you know, things like that will help you know of uh, like things that could possibly happen and things that could prevent things that you don't want to happen. And And like, I didn't even know about different birthing positions. And I've seen you share some of those things on your page lately. And I'm like, I would have loved to know my options. Like I can give birth this way, this way. What, what, why do people do it that way? Is it something that I should be interested in? And so I would, for new moms, I would definitely say to have a doula or, you know, do some research, let them help you. And for moms that are pregnant for a second or third time, I know you are probably already have your experience in what you like and didn't like. Um, But for you also, if you didn't like something about your pregnancy or your birth um, or your postpartum, then you have the ability to change that and to um, supplement your knowledge with, you know, with Emily. I feel like that's exactly what needs to happen. And you're a great res- resource for people that don't know all the options that are available to them.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. I I love the part about how you have the ability to change something. If you are a first-time mom, you have the ability to prevent a story like Serena's. If you are a repeat mom, you have the ability to make a change For your next baby not that your labor will go perfectly smoothly but it can go differently it is possible to get educated and have a birth that you love thank you so much for sharing all of that serena i know some of those pieces bring up some different emotions they definitely did for me just listening and it's not even my story okay you're welcome thank you If you are expecting and looking for birth education or birth doula, whether that's virtual or in person, please go to magnoliabirthlbk.com to view my options or contact me directly. If you would like to be a guest on Magnolia Birth Stories and share your birth story with us, I would love to have you. Please use the link to submit a short questionnaire or go to magnoliabirthlbk.com slash podcast for additional information. Next week, we will have Danielle joining us to share about her unmedicated vaginal birth of a breech baby. See you then.